Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We've gone back to basics this month. I'm going to be going over the basics of the science of mind and we cover Somehow we cover this giant science of mind. Don't be afraid. <laughs> we managed to do it in four weeks, and we cover the first four chapters every year of the Science of Mind textbook to give you that idea of what science of mind means, what it stands for, how we view the world, and how you might use some of these spiritual principles. So today we're, we're starting with chapter one, and it's called The Thing Itself. And uh, basically, the thing itself, of course, is God. And and you might wonder to the beginning of, well, why are you calling it the thing itself? Well, because it really doesn't matter what you call it. All of the world's religions call it by different names, spirit, God, Allah. And uh, and of course, it doesn't matter, right? It It is beyond the names. It is beyond the human experience. So often we may picture God as though it's uh, like a guy in the sky. And, and I think that that's misleading. I think we want to get rid of the idea of anthropomorphizing God. God is not some superhuman somewhere. God is all there is. And that's the, the first and most fundamental teaching of the science of mind. In fact, I, I dare say, if you really internalized, if you really felt the sense of God being all that there is in the world, that that's probably all you would need to know about the science of mind. In some ways, all of our other teachings go towards reinforcing that thought. So I think where I want to start today is a a description of my childhood and and an example of how God is all there is. Well, I come from Newport, Oregon, a small fishing village on the central coast. And of course, I I had commercial fishermen in my in my family. And so often we were on boats and out in the ocean and so on. And so at a very early age, they want to make sure everyone can swim, right? (laughs) Oh, it's a good idea if you're fishing that people can swim. And so I still remember at that time, there was a big natatorium in town. And my, my mom very dutifully drugged me down there for my first swimming lesson. And I, I don't think they teach swimming this way anymore, honestly. But I spent about, I don't know, maybe about 15 or 20 minutes just splashing around with the other kids in the shallow end of the pool. And then the instructor had us line up one by one in the deep end. We would dive in. And then the instructor would kind of coach us a little bit, try to hold us up above the water and, and coach us on how to, how to breathe as we were swimming and so on. So, so I remember I was like third in line. You can tell this is winding up to something dramatic because I can still remember I was third in line and I watched the first two kids dive in and the instructor was, uh, I think very kind about it, but she, she kind of put her arms uh, underneath the, the kids and, and helped them along swimming. And then it was my turn. And I have to say my heart was kind of beating. I was a little uh, freaked out by the whole idea of just diving off the side. So I did it. Well, I think I was supposed to naturally just float up and then she would catch me. Well, all I know is I'm at the bottom of the deep end of the pool looking up and I can see the lights above and I figured I was going to die, right? <laughs> so that was my experience of learning how to swim. Now, no worries. I did eventually learn how to swim. But you've heard that idea of fish out of water. 
That was really what I was feeling. And what I would like to ask you today is, if not a human being trying to learn how to swim, what would it be like to be a fish learning how to swim? Have you thought about it? When you're submerged in your own element, when you're from the get-go born into an environment that is nurturing and sustaining, do you even think about it? Do you think a fish ever has to wonder about swimming? Or is it just their nature, even as we in the air breathe it and never have to think about it? I mean, occasionally when there's a, what, a tornado or something in the air is upset, we'll, we'll notice it. But invisibly present, permeating our lives, part of our, our own bodies as we breathe in and breathe out, are we not like fish in our own way with air? Them with water, us with air, the life-giving nurturement of the world around us. Now what if we upscale this one more from fish and water and human beings in air to life itself and God? You see, the basics of science of mind say that God is everywhere present. And I don't mean like a a little guy, uh, you know, up in the corner of the ceiling looking down. I mean present everywhere, even even as the air is present everywhere, even as the water is present everywhere for a fish, we are literally swimming, living, breathing, having our, our experience in the midst of God. And in the same way that air is into our lungs and the water permeates the body of a fish, so God is part of us, indivisible. The cells of our body are part of God. The, the thinking that we have, the thoughts that we have are a subset of God's thoughts. Have you thought of it that way before? You see, I think most of the world's religions will tell you, well, God is everywhere present. But I think for most of us, it conjures that idea of a peeping Tom more than anything else, right? Well, in the science of mind, no, God is everywhere present because God is everything Every person, every place, every situation, every manifestation of life, everything that we hold dear to us and even some of the things that are a little bit on the scary side, like me at the bottom of that swimming pool, it's all within the realm of spirit. We are bathed in it. We are of it and it moves through us. Now think about that one for a minute, too. We're going to talk about this aspect of it a little more next week. But if God is everywhere present, if God is doing God's thing everywhere, then even the things that we do are also part of spirit. Truly, there's no escaping or or being separate from spirit because the very definition in the science of mind of what God is includes us there's no separation from the thing itself the thing itself is simply all there is well the good news is if you get that major principle about the science of mind the rest of it is just easy peasy the the rest of it we can summarize in in a couple key other issues today but they're almost like corollaries they're almost like well if god is all there is then of course These other things must be true. So the next thing I want to talk about, other than this idea of omnipresence, 
is omniscience or the fact that God is all wise. And I think to do that one, I have one of my, uh, well, I hope you like them. I enjoy them. One of my Mullah Nasruddin stories. So Mullah Nasruddin, as you might know, is an ancient folk and uh, spiritual hero from Persia. One warm day, Mullah Nasruddin was taking it easy in the shade of a walnut tree. After a time, he started eyeing speculatively the huge pumpkins on vines that were growing in a field nearby, and then also the small walnuts growing on the majestic tree above him. Sometimes I just can't understand the ways of God, he said. He tilted his head heavenwards and spoke his thought aloud. Just fancy letting tiny walnuts grow on such a majestic tree and these huge pumpkins on the delicate vines down on the ground. Whatever is God's plan for that? Just then a walnut snapped off the tree and fell down to smack Nasruddin on his hairless head. He got up at once, muttering to himself, Okay, okay, I get it, you big know-it-all. And so the idea of omniscient, of God being all-wise, of course comes from the idea of God being everywhere. If God is everywhere, then all of the wisdom of the cosmos, everything that has ever been, everything that is currently going on, everything that will happen in the future, all of it, all of the intelligence that exists is also part of God. And so if you want the answer to any burning question you might have, it's available in the mind of God. If you want the solution to global warming uh, or worldwide famine, if you want the solution on how to tie your necktie in the morning, if you want the solution on on anything, whether it's something vast and, and spanning humanity or something very personal to you, the answer to that question, that, that eternal wisdom, that guidance, is available in the mind of God. And here again in the science of mind, we take this very seriously because our mind is also part of the cosmic mind. Because our intelligence, our, our understanding of the world is part of that larger understanding that God has. We say that God's wisdom is also our wisdom. And we can use our intuition, we can use the ability to contemplate, we can use that connection that we have to our higher power to have access to that wisdom. Now, sometimes it's not as easy as just having a conversation with God in the sense of two people communicating But I'd like to suggest in meditation and contemplation when we're really in line with our own intuition, the thoughts of spirit will be made plain to us. And sometimes it just takes that little nudge of spirit to guide us in to the right answer, to the satisfying answer, to the the new ideas and new ways of being that will make all the difference in our lives. Honestly, Honestly, it's that inward journey, it's that ability to look inward and upward that connects us to the thing itself, and in that place, the wisdom of the universe, the joy of the universe, the peace of the universe, and so forth, is ours to experience. Well, the third characteristic of, uh, of God that we often talk about is uh, omnipotence, the, the idea of all-powerful. So we've got everywhere present, 
we have all wise. And then the last piece is all powerful. And again, if we think of all powerful as the corollary of everywhere present, we will recognize that all the power that exists anywhere in the universe, of course, is part of God. We have access to that through the mind of God of which we're a part. And so therefore we can draw upon spirit's power, upon God's power, in our own lives. Now I'm going to save how we do that for a couple Sundays from now because there's a very particular mechanism by which we can begin collaborating with Spirit to bring God's power into our own lives in a very, how do I want to say it, a very controlled way, a very purposeful way. But just for now, trust me that the power of the universe is God. Anything that you could ever imagine happening in the universe through any power that exists, well, it's Spirit's power. It is God's power. Now, I would say that these three key elements, the idea of everywhere present, the idea of all-wise and all-powerful, these are three key characteristics of spirit that we share with, I think, virtually all of the world's religions. But I think we do have a difference in that our idea of everywhere present does mean everything. And that is, I think, a bit of a key difference. We don't believe that somehow God is outside there. In fact, I would like to, to test your own ideas of what maybe as a child you believed God to be. Because I think most of us in the, in the Western world have this idea from the earliest age that somehow God was like a human being, perhaps sitting up in the clouds on a golden throne, kind of looking down, hopefully benevolently, but also looking down sometimes with, the, with scorn and judgment, right? That idea that God was up there, almost like a human, judging us on our good behavior and our bad behavior. I call it the Santa Claus God, because as a child, the two of them seemed kind of synonymous to me. Are you naughty? Are you nice? Are you, are you going to get the rewards that you deserve, right? Well, science of mind really says that is the kind of God perhaps that children might see, but it is not the reality of spirit. Spirit is not a human being. Spirit is not a, a guy in the sky on a throne. Spirit is completely diffuse and permeating the entire universe, not, not just to be found in one particular location, but spread out over the entire cosmos. And because of that, there, there isn't really the judgment factor. Again, we're going to learn in a couple weeks that the idea of, uh, of what you put out comes back to you. And so sometimes it, it seems as though God might be judging us, but, it, but it's really an action of what we call the law. It's really that which you put out is just returned to you and, and in a magnified state. So if you put out a lot of love, a lot of joy, a lot of peace, that is apt to be how the world treats you. But that's not God standing up on a cloud somewhere pointing down and saying, I'm going to bless Larry <laughs> or I'm going to curse Larry for his behavior. It's just an automatic action of what we call the law of the divine creative process. There is simply that which is done unto us is, is a reflection of our own thinking, uh, our reflection of what we put out in the world.
And so let us dispel this idea of the, the punishing God in the sky. Let us throw away those childish ideas of, of Santa Claus, uh, uh, not in the North Pole, but, uh, but up in heaven. And in fact, let us put aside the idea of heaven and hell as physical places, right? These might have served us well as a, a childlike vision of how the universe worked. Uh, but there is no heaven or hell in the idea of science of mind other than, than what we give life to it through our own thinking or our own beliefs. There is heaven, and as the, the great teachings of Jesus, one of the master teachers said, if there is heaven, there is heaven on earth. There is heaven for us to experience right now. And we don't have to wait for some eternal life in the hereafter. We have eternal life, including right now. There is no diminishment of our spirit when we pass on to what comes next. There is only that continuity of life itself. And so we can experience our, our personal heaven here and now. We don't have to wait for it. Well, I think it's time that I do it just a little bit of a summary here and, and make sure that we're on board with this. So, so first of all, the, the key three elements of God or spirit is that it is omnipresent. It's present everywhere, just like that fish not quite even being aware of the water that it's immersed in. So we are bathed in spirit always. It permeates our bodies. It is part of who we are. There's no separation from it because there is only it. We also believe in the omniscience of God, that God is all wise, that all of the intelligence of the universe is available to us from our own connection to spirit. And then finally, God is all powerful. Any power that exists in the universe is also part of God, also available to us. So those are the three main ideas of the science of mind. And then, of course, dispelling that idea of the Santa Claus God, right? God isn't out there. God is present everywhere. We don't have to, to say our prayers to some distant intelligence. God listens to our every thought because God is part of our every thought. The thoughts only have to go as far as our own mind, which is part of the cosmic mind. Our prayers are heard and answered instantly because they don't have to go anywhere. They exist as prayers as soon as they are formulated, and they are formulated in the mind of God as part of your own mind. Because of this, I also invite you, and here's your homework. You can tell, you know there's always going to be a little bit of homework involved in, in one of my Sunday talks. How can we choose to personalize God? If God is as close as the very breath that you breathe, if God is permeating our minds, our bodies, and our spirits, if, if God is even part of our own thinking process, how can we personalize that? How can we choose to see it as a loving force that is with us always? Even as the air that we breathe is there sweetly to bolster us and give us life, so God is there to bolster us, to empower us, to illuminate us. God is there intimately with us every day as part of our mind, our body, and our spirit. 
And so your homework this week is to have a greater sense of that. How can we celebrate that? How can we become more aware of it? How can we understand that God is acting through us and as us because God is in us? Well, I want to close today with a a quote from this giant book. <laughs> this is the end of this particular chapter that we're working on. So I'll I'll close with a, a brief quote from the Science of Mind textbook from the end of the chapter called The Thing Itself. Then we'll close with a prayer. So Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind, has this to say. He says, This then is the thing itself. Briefly, let us summarize. There is that within every individual which partakes of the nature of the universal wholeness and, insofar as it operates, is God. That is the meaning of the word Emmanuel and the meaning of the word Christ. There is that within us which partakes of the nature of the divine being and since it partakes of the nature of the divine being, we, too, are divine. It reacts to us according to our belief in it, and it is an immutable law. It's subject to the use of the least among us, no respecter of persons. It cannot be bound, and we cannot be bound. Our soul will never change or violate its own nature, all the denying of it will never change it. All of the affirming of it will never make it any more true than it is. But since it is what it is and works in the way that it works, it appears to each of us through our belief. It is done unto each one of us as we believe. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence only this one thing, this one thing is all-wise, all-powerful, everywhere, true and in and, and around this universe, including me. My life is made up of it. It permeates my mind, my body, and my spirit. There's no separation from it because I am it, or I should say I'm a part of it. There is only God, and that means me too. And so for each person within the hearing of my voice, well, of course, each person within the universe, there is only this one spirit, and each of us is connected to it and part of it. And because of this, I know that God's love is our love to experience and to have. God's wisdom we can tap into through that universal spirit, through our intuition, through contemplation, through prayer. I know that the abundance of the universe is ours. We're connected to it. I know that the peace, that the joy, I know that everything we can conceive of is also part of us coming from the creator of all, coming from spirit, from God, from the thing itself. For this knowledge, I am eternally grateful. For this knowledge, I, I empower myself to act on behalf of spirit, bringing more life and more love and more joy into the world on behalf of the Creator. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer. I release it into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, 
And so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you're going to enjoy our Back to Basics ideas. Uh, Next week, we're going to cover our relationship to God in more detail. Uh, For now, though, it's our time of conscious giving. I would invite you to use your tithely application or to go online at cslportland.org slash donate. It would be our great pleasure to use the the money that you would give us to reach out further into the world, bringing about this transformational idea of the science of mind. I want to thank so many people who have given to us in the past and bless those who are in the process of giving to us right now. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.